Welcome to episode 64 of Cyclops is Waiting for Me, an X-Men the Animated Series weekly recap podcast. I'm Rod. I'm a musician. I've mentioned this before. It's one of the last times I'm going to be able to mention it. So look me up online. I've written songs and I've sung songs. I don't think these things through when I'm talking. (laughs) (laughs) And I am JC and Rod doesn't realize we still have multiple series left to go through of X-Men animated shows when this is all done. But we also have a guest today. We have our guest Carlos. Carlos, would you like to tell people where you're from and, and how they can find you. Hi guys, I'm Carlos. First of all, thank you guys for having me here and for inviting me. Thank I'm you for choosing no- to join such an interesting <laughs> episode. Hey man, you know, bribery goes a long way. <laughs> so, so just why I am also known as the nostalgic Latino. I deal with a lot of relatable 2000s, 90s type of stuff on social media, whether it's on Instagram or TikTok, that's where you can find me at the nostalgic Latino. And I'm here to just have a good time and just, you know, reminisce on the good and the bad and the weird. <laughs> well, we got two of those three. <laughs> oh, man. There we go. Also, yeah, we, like John said, he he picked this episode. Carlos picked this episode. We were like, which one do you want? And someone else actually called it before, right? Yeah, Chris from XCast who couldn't make it. So I was like, oh, shit, who is, who's going to be a guest? And when Carlos was like, I want that one, I was like... <laughs> Okay. Carlos, I wish you could see our text thread. I was like, he wants this one. John's like, oh, okay. It's like, okay, yeah. All right. <laughs> well, well, on that note, Cyclops is Waiting for Me is our weekly podcast series. We're going back and watching every single episode of the original 1992 X-Men, the animated series, and their original intended script order leading up to the release of X-Men 97, which is coming to Disney Plus later this year. Some quick reminders. We're a recap show about a series that started now over 30 years ago. There will be spoilers. That doesn't matter for this one. If you don't want to spoil for you, pause the podcast, watch the episode, and come back. I don't know. I'm kind of with Daryl Russo on this one. You don't have to watch this one. We'll do our best to avoid mentioning anything about future episodes we haven't covered yet. And if you couldn't tell by my huge endorsement of this episode, we're currently not sponsored or affiliated with Disney or Disney Plus in any way, shape, or form. You're going to end up making enemies of Larry Houston and the Leewalds for your commentary on this one. They they actually still like us at this point, okay? Well, I, I feel like loving the other 95% of this show Yeah, make up for that. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Cyclops IWFM Pod on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook. And of course, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast services. Finally, we record some of these episodes in batches. We got two tonight. This is one of our very small batches. So we might be behind on news and stuff like that. But like Rod said, the news on this one doesn't really matter. Now onto the show. Today we're gonna to be talking about season five, episode six, titled Jubilee's Fairy Tale Theater. It aired November 16th, 1996, and currently sits at a 5.5 star rating on IMDb. On, on IMDb, it is the lowest rated episode. I, d- really? I did go through, I checked every single one. It this is IMDb, it's not it's not universal. Like there, there are a few like best of worst of lists on like looper and stuff like that. It was always in the list, but it was n- it was not always considered the absolute worst. So I think that might be the first time we've ever read a five on this show, right? Has it been another five? What was the Morlocks Christmas episode? I think is that low, a six? I think low sixes have been like the... Maybe. The, <laughs> wow, it's going to look like we got a doozy, gentlemen. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it was between... On all the lists, it was between this... Morlock Little Christmas and Rogue's episode with her boyfriend, Cody. 
Those yeah. are like rotating universally the three worst episodes on all the lists. I have my votes for this one. Also, I normally don't drink on these because I have to drive to John's, but we're doing this remotely. And also, I, I me and Carlos have both have hells of weeks. I don't know about John, but I'm drinking. My week's been okay. Me and Carlos, <laughs> we're already Nostalgia Talk Brothers. Now we're like something fucked with our car brothers in the same <laughs> Yes. So, John, watch out. <laughs> Thanks. I'm actually glad I'm not seeing you in person today, Rod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Anyway, so this episode starts off with Jubilee leading a field trip in, like, the Batcave, apparently, is underneath Xavier's mansion. I thought, were there tunnels before? There was the monorail before. There's a monorail, so they didn't fix that completely? In the Cosair episode, there was the monorail. So they just 86 that, and now it's caves, or there's both? Dude, he has a lot of property. It's weird. It's just like, why would you even take kids down in the caves <laughs> underneath the school to, in the first place? There's an ulterior motive. Like, and, why? And knowing that it's dangerous, too. So, I, I also love they're bringing the kids to this cavern that, you know, it's, it's every few weeks they get attacked by somebody like the Juggernaut who's attacking the mansion. That's true. It's like, uh-huh. yeah, th- if he attacks at that point, it's going to cause another cave-in. <laughs> and that was something else. These kids weren't students of Xavier's academy because they didn't even know what Xavier did there. Like, Jubilee had to be like, oh, it's a specialized school. Right, but but didn't you also get the vibe that the twins were freakish mutants? who Because they weren't actually identical twins, but they talked like freakish identical twins. I were thought they two, were mutants for a second. The two they were arguing the whole time, Spencer we, and somebody else. And they then they kept on saying things at the same time. Yeah, no, there were. You know, it was really weird. Yeah, because it took me a while to realize that the kids are not mutants at all. No, <laughs> they're just regular kids <laughs> from Westchester County, New York. <laughs> yep. And there's a school out there that thinks it's a pretty good fucking a, a good idea to send their kids out to the you know. To one of the most crazy, most attacked schools around. (laughs) Right. And and the part to even add to that is the kids, this is when we go into the later animation studio. So the animation and the coloring, everything else gets weird. One of the kids had like basically red skin. Like that was not a normal human skin tone. It was like a purplish mauve red, whatever you want to call it. But that was not, that was not actual skin tone. And like, are these like just baby mutants? And nope, they were just regular Rich you know, kids from Westchester. What would have made? Well, that probably that's probably actually what it was. Those are some rich New York kids. But <laughs> like, what would have made sense is if they had put like a little seed of an idea, like these were suspected have the X gene or whatever. You know, so yeah. That, that's why they don't know what's going on there, but they're there anyway or something. No, nope. because like, and this is later on, just like, public school kids. <laughs> well, I guess you know. It, it's speaking just of, so, so random. While Jubilee's giving this tour, she has a flashback to when she had to take this job, and Xavier is talking to her, Gambit, and Wolverine. And she's like, why do I have to stay to teach the kids? And it's like, because that's all you do here. But Xavier was like, if the president hadn't called me, I would have taken them myself. And I was like, oh, so the president assigned this field trip? And then they leave. I'm like, oh, no, they're going to see the president? I don't understand. Like, they so they were random. leaving to see the president. Yeah. There's so many random, like, details. And, it, it's fine, but it's like, they're just not connected, you know? <laughs> and Xavier is like a G, man. He just, he don't even care. He's just, he's still rolling in his chair and he's still going up and he's telling Jubilee, like, oh, I wish I would be there, you know, but I got to take care of this shit over here at the White House. But hey, don't worry about it. And then Wolverine's like, oh, I cut him up to pieces, bub. I'm like, what are you talking about? And let me say this. And, and since you mentioned like how, how some of the kids look weird, what, what I do appreciate is that this just seemed like a really messed up version of Magic School Bus. Yeah. <laughs> Because I do appreciate that's fantastic is how diverse 
these non-mutant children are <laughs> when you think about it. Yeah. So if, if anybody watches the episode and you look at all of these kids, they're actually pretty well diverse. And it's like there, there is their a own little representation. <laughs> but the but one thing is all common is that they're all dumb. So. <laughs> well, there was one nerd kid. He was he was still dumb. Oh, he wasn't aware of what guy. was going on. But that one kid was a nerd. He was the know-it-all. He was like, did you know the blah, blah. And it's like, I want to be a geologist. <laughs> like, nobody cares, kid. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, kick Crocs, kid. <laughs> you you know the difference between stalagmites and stalactites? I don't know yeah. that, and I'm in my late thirties. Okay. Uh, I mentioned her a bunch on the show, but my friend Marvelous, she always calls that kid. You can tell it when they're adults that when they were that age that these kids are in this show that they reminded the teacher they didn't assign homework. You know, uh, oh, you yeah. To. <laughs> oh, what teacher? No homework of, on Friday for the weekend? Oh man. <laughs> I'm gonna okay. So this episode got a lot better for me now. You framed it as a magic school bus. So, so I'm gonna it take technically that is. It, it actually <laughs> turns into like a magic school bus episode in that sense. Yeah, because before my closest like approximation of this, it was like the X Men played D and D, and Jubilee was like the DM. She was the DM and the player at the same time, though. Right? That, yeah. 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 And um, you know what? And what's funny? You mentioned that, John, because even one of the kids said, "How come you have to be the star of the?" <laughs> yeah, uh, this like, is my story because. It's my story <laughs> so one thing that that did stand out so not only was this the first time we see the redesigned version of gambit this is also when they swapped his voiceover actor for the final few episodes too basically red skin for gambit which made no <laughs> sense and then new voice actor too and that voice actor all due respect to them doesn't hold a candle to the original no it did yeah. sound weird and i hadn't watched it in a while but i do remember how he sounded like but in this one he just sounded really weird he sounded even weirder in the fantasy fairy tale. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like four uh, levels of degradation of Xeroxing, right? Yeah, it was just as weird. Because the original Gambit was already kind of like on the line of his Cajun accent because it's a Canadian. It's a Canadian doing a Cajun, yeah. Cajun accent. And then the new actor is doing like the impersonation of the impersonated Canadian Cajun accent. And then in the story itself was like a fairy type, like Ren Fair Gambit. Yeah, doing was, the impersonation of the impersonated of the Canadian. Like, <laughs> you need to make an infographic Cajun. of that, Rod. I want the, when this episode goes live, there needs to be an infographic. The best part is Rod will text me the night before the episode goes live, and be like, "What the fuck is the infographic supposed to look like?" Right. Guaranteed. Oh, that reminds me. I, I have one to make about like having a truck in the new the new show or something. I have to figure out what that's gonna look like. <laughs> oh yeah, we have to figure that out. But yeah, so we figure out that this was all kind of like a daydream from Jubilee. I don't know why she's daydreaming about the moment that she got the thing that she didn't want to do. It's it's giving us context of why she feels yeah. shafted and stuck with horrible children. It was just a funny detail because like I thought we were just like flashing back, but it was like she's actively thinking about this right now and like ignoring all the children. <laughs> but then like the cave starts to rattle, like there's a cave in, not yep. a little bit, like a earthquake. And she's like awfully calm about it. So I guess Maybe Jubilee was a good person to do this trip because she's used to cavens in the caverns underneath the expansion. Basically, anybody but Storm is a good option here, I feel like. That's true. That would have messed up yeah. if made Storm do this. It would have been a very different episode if Storm was the one. <laughs> but yeah, she, she's like, don't worry, kids. This happens all the time. Just stand against the wall. We're like, okay, ain't none of those kids are wearing hard hats. Telling you, <laughs> Professor X didn't give a shit. Neither did the principal of the other school that decided to send these caves to their potential death, the caves underneath that school. I just don't Some, understand where their caves are. Somebody put out a life insurance policy on these kids. Right. <laughs> or like they, they, they saw into the, one of the mutants could tell the future and they're like, oh, they're all going to be villains. Jubilee like leaves the kids alone 
to go check on the cave-in, which I, I get kind of because she don't want the kids to get freaked out, but also she left a bunch of children alone during a cave-in. And then she pulls out a beeper <laughs> and starts... We what don't know she... it's a beeper until that little smart kid ends up pointing it out that it's like right. a crazy beeper. He knew the specific model of it, yes. too. I, and... I never owned one. Is that somewhat of a real description? I mean, so I, I had a beeper when I was in high school for no real actual reason. It couldn't message, it couldn't SMS or anything like that. Yeah. And then it wasn't until that generation where everybody started getting cell phones that they started putting text messaging capabilities into beepers. But I don't know, I, maybe there was some advanced satcom thing, but it, it, it didn't look like she was giving a message. It was more so like emergency button, find me. It was like yeah. a GPS locator more than anything else is, is the vibe I got from it. I got the life alert type of <laughs> yeah. vibe from it. <laughs> Help me, I've been caved in and I can't get out. I like that I'm going to was... start killing children. <laughs> yeah. I like that one of the kids was like, Well, that reached through the rocks. And she's like, uh, Anyway, you want to hear a story? <laughs> Might be the last thing you hear. I got 5G, kid. <laughs> I, I'm currently watching the start of season two of Yellow Jackets, and I just was like, Oh, cool. It's going to take like six hours before these people start eating each other. So Jubilee decides to kill, kill the kids. Tell the kids the story. <laughs> End of story. The kids all ask. So this isn't exclusive to this episode of the show, but the kids all ask, like, does it have princes and princesses and love and blah, blah. And you hear this in TV shows and movies all the time, like kids asking for these stories. Do do kids ever ask for these kinds of stories? I don't ever recall being a kid asking for like a princess story or something. I think in that situation, it was like, well, we have to find the perfect story. Is it going to have princesses and princes? Is it going to have dragons? Is it going to have action and fighting? And and then at this point, he's like, dude, I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, if it does, kid, it's going to have everything. I feel like kids these days would be like, is it true crime? I mean, I've always disliked kids, even when I was a kid. So I'm probably not the best person to ask of like, would kids ask for yeah. this or like this? So well, it's kind of like when we were talking before about Wolverine making a chemistry set reference and stuff. We're like, what? Yeah. Was that just a TV trope? Or maybe that was something else like we always say carried over from a previous generation. They liked hearing princess and prince stories. And so, oh, the 90s kids, they still like that. Then it was like this weird beginning of a... Disney movie like Beauty and the Beast or something, which kind of makes sense because this was in the middle of the Disney Renaissance. So maybe that's what spurred this yeah. on. Was... They showed like the storybook open. And... It also had a really weird CG transition. It was like somebody got like one of those programs for the first time and they're like, it has to get used right here. <laughs> like, yeah. The opening was done in PowerPoint. It was like little stills, gradual scrolling. Yeah. yeah. And I, I tried catching as many names as I could. I think she just said Prince, but didn't specify scott just yet and then princess correct Jane. and then the mctaggart crystal shard i don't is there a reason for that like, i don't know enough about the comics and stuff it, or did she just pick like mctaggart out of the air because that was something in the show because I, I felt that mctaggart was like the name of somebody it's oh, yeah. moira. moira it's moira yeah moira oh, mctaggart yeah. there you go yeah but I, didn't, I didn't know like if i don't know why her or not anybody else you know or why wasn't the macron crystal which we know is actually a yeah. powerful crystal in the universe i don't know okay okay i didn't no. know if there was some other like clever tie-in or something i, mean, I don't I was, know i'm trying to Unle this episode uh, unle unless like some robin hood story actually had to do with like scotland and not england that could be the only thing maybe okay i, I get that though because there's a lot of like fairy tales are set in like scottish settings so maybe that was it They're like oh that's a scottish name that's all i got <laughs> uh -huh. and then she tells the story of how the crystal was divided in half and it attracted the attention of the evil magnus i love how in this fairy tale though it defaults to almost everyone's government names and not their code names. Yep. It was not Magneto, it was Magnus. And later on, they 
call Wolverine Logan. But this is a very classic story, right? It's like there's a magic crystal or that thing that everybody wants, but there's two pieces, so it has to be like a multifaceted journey. I don't know if I just missed it or they didn't say, but Magnus got one half somehow. He searched it, for the other half. It, it sounded like it got split and he just had one and he was out yeah, to get the other one. one. Yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. So yeah. he's looking for the other one so that he could conquer all the kingdoms, which, you know, good job on them of, like, wording this, right? Because originally I wrote, like, to take over the world. Like, oh, no, no, no. She wants to take over the kingdoms, which could only be, like, you know, one small country or something. They, <laughs> they can't travel that far. It was right. medieval times. I was a little confused at the beginning because she's talking about Magnus. And then we see, I was like, oh, that looks like Gambit. I was like, oh, that is Gambit. So my note here is Renfair Gambit is running from Magneto armor bots. And then they call them clankers. I think that there. was a derogatory term for them. I don't, oh, <laughs> that, was not, that was not an official name. But then, like, fasting forward a little bit, the kids in the cave with Jubilee hearing the story called them metallic, so I don't know if there was, like, a... I don't know. No. It doesn't matter. Once nope. again, continuity. Renfair Gambit runs up to some civilians and is like, please help me, which they were really quick to help, which, you know, good on them, I guess. Did you recognize the three character models? Oh, I only recognized the one. It was Longshot. Okay, so the other two, the man and the woman, were basically very similar faces, to Jubilee's parents from the very first episode. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's wow. too much for me to remember. That's don't worry. Throwback. I cheat because I look up shit okay. online. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, like, I was just briefing Carlos before recording. I watched this 20 minutes ago so I could remember it. That episode for us was a year and a couple months ago now. year and a month ago, yeah. <laughs> so I would not have remembered them. Okay, so I guess that. Wow, so they actually did have continuity in this. Yeah. Insane. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wait, so Longshot is. Was he the blonde dude? He was yeah. the blonde who is known from the Mojoverse episodes. Did he even say anything in the shot at all? I because I just thought because I didn't even notice him. Like as soon as Renfer Gambit ended up showing up, he's like, "Mon ami, I need you to you know hide me in the hay or something." Oh no, they tell him to hide in the hay. Because if he gets, yeah, if he got captured, the rebellion will be doomed. So that's when they said, okay, get in the hay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes sense for Longshot to be in there, though, because in another episode, Jubilee has a huge crush on him. They did pay attention to for Longshot, though, is they did make sure to have him with the only four fingers again. They actually, they they made sure that that was consistent. That's how I double checked, because I remember you mentioning, I did remember that you mentioned that before. And it's always like, is this some random blonde dude? <laughs> it looks like because all the character models are so weird. Yeah, because of the new animation, it's like okay, he only has he has the like three fingers and the thumb. Yep. <laughs> what is Longshot's mutant power supposed to be? Essentially, luck. Really? Yeah. Like like Domino? <laughs> kind of. He's able to be a little bit more intentional with it, I guess, or something. On the Mojo Vision show, that's why he's a star, because he's able to basically do like a human version of like Monster Truck Rally. <laughs> and those episodes, he had like all the women around him and stuff. So I don't know. I, I don't know what the distinction is between the two of them and he's an he's like not of earth right right that's why he has the weird number of fingers but anyway so they they decide to help him the jubilee sound effect goes off yeah the jubilee sound effect happens because they start to get attacked by the metallics clankers i don't know what's <laughs> and the civilians almost get themselves killed everybody starts fighting and then they're all talking about jubilee as if she's it's like nobody's ever seen Superman before, you know? They're like, it's her. Could it be? And then even like the soldiers, which I couldn't figure out if they were just robots or somehow sentient. If they were just like sentinels, they would be like, oh, okay, here we're fighting. But they were like debating on the existence. It's just a myth. You have souls? <laughs> yeah, because they don't, they didn't have any faces. It was just like darkness in their helmets. Yeah, well, they're like floating armor, 
yeah, it, it was just floating armor. It was yeah. just. It felt to me like a D and D villain. There are the possessed armor that you might fight in a dungeon and stuff like that. Like it, so, soul. Sure, yeah, there was a it was a spirit possessing that shit. It, the spirits of all the people from the expedition killed. Storm dropped out of a building or beast of gas. So yeah, then Jubilee comes in and she's the most competent of all the characters. I don't know how else to really say it because she like parkours in. She effortlessly zaps all the bad guys, saves the day. Then a cave-in in the real world, I guess, interrupts yep. the show. And the, that's when the kids are like, hey, why are you the hero? She's like, it's my story. Okay. So, Rod, I know you won't get this reference, so I'm not even going to ask you. But, Carlos, since you are in the nostalgia world, was there anything about Jubilee's outfit that reminded you of something that was very, like, 80s, 90s? Like, I have a particular IP in mind. I'm curious if, if it connected with you. I just thought of Peter Pan. I could totally see the Peter Pan stuff. For me, it was ElfQuest, which I don't know if you ever remember. I never read it. I never bought it, but I remember seeing it at like comic book stores and conventions and stuff like that. Her design very, very much to me felt like ElfQuest and like the main characters from that for some reason. Or yeah. even like the, the fairy from Fern Gully. Like there was something yeah. about her that I felt like I'd seen that outfit before, but I couldn't place where. Yeah, that's what it, yeah, because I was only thinking of either Peter Pan and, yeah, Fern Gully would have been a good, for some reason, like, when it comes to that type of particular trope, they always wear these shoes <laughs> that are, like, they have no laces or anything like that, they're just, like, I don't like, know what they're called. They're, like, like slip-on booties. Yeah, dude, yeah. like, they look like ballet shoes without the laces. It's easy to draw. <laughs> Wait, I do yeah, want to also. Know, that probably makes sense. Yeah. Who's the, who's the Marvel artist that couldn't draw feet, or was that hands? Oh, still can't to this day, Rob Liefeld. But I also do want to point out, all of a sudden, Jubilee was kind of stacked. Oh, I didn't even like know. if oh, you oh, oh, it, in in the in the story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, they like they all of a sudden designs. Jubilee had like a figure, and I was like, isn't she only supposed to be like sixteen at this point? <laughs> I felt like she was telling the story about herself as if she was older, like she thought of herself as like a you know full-grown adult or something. Because I feel Fair. like a lot of us, when we were kids, you know, we saw ourselves as Cyclops or Magneto, but not like the 16-year-old version. <laughs> totally fair. But yeah, she yeah. was definitely drawn stacked for the first time there. It was the, it was the tight Peter Pan clothing. They get back to the fight, and essentially they, they take down everybody, and the, the captain starts to, to run off. I even have a little note here, like, Jubilee tricks two of the clankers to Mortal Kombat each other. I love that as long as they're not human humans, they can do stuff like decapitate them or cut them in half or something. My note here is Shrek Wolverine shows up and smashes the last clanker. That's exactly what I thought. <laughs> as soon as Wolverine came out, and then it was like either sh- it was like a mix between Shrek and the Hulk. Yeah, the Hulk makes sense, except it was like, maybe it was the shade of green he was or whatever. Yeah, it was, just it like- was the shade. And then when you looked at him from his back, when you look at his legs, because he because he has the torn off shorts, I think too. Oh, yeah. So so it was like I was getting Hulk vibes off of that. The only thing that stopped him from going full Hulk was he was never standing upright. He was always like slouched and stuff, which tends to be like that whole like trope of trolls and stuff like that in in fantasy animation and such. But oh, I could totally see it. He was also a little more of like a like baby puke green as opposed to <laughs> Hulk green. Yeah. And- this also kind of gave us insight of how Jubilee sees Wolverine. We said in the past, like, she clearly idolizes him, like, thinks he's, like, a cool fighter or whatever. But I think this shows us that she thinks he's pretty dumb, too. One of my notes here was that she describes him as a disgusting troll but with, like, a heart of gold. Damn, <laughs> it, I, didn't re- I didn't realize she did him like that. And, yeah. Yeah, but also just the way he's, like, acting in it. He's just, he's talking in incomplete sentences. He was actually surprisingly more chill than I thought. 
Yeah. Like he wasn't berserker. He was like, I had my coffee and I'm good. <laughs> kind of Wolverine. The only time he gets really aggressive is when they start to have this little conversation between Gambit and Gambit's kind of like flirting a little bit and he steps in between. He was like, hey, bub. That was my next note. I was like, is Gambit hitting on Jubilee? It just doesn't feel right. Yeah. Gambit creepily flirts and then mentions that he has the crystal. No. Producer's couch. I got the crystal, you know, and it's one way to get it. He's like, I could show it to you. And it's like, no. Oh, yeah, that's it, too. He was like, it's back in my place. We're like, Jubilee, red flags. Red flag, blow the whistle. And then Jubilee introduces her catchphrase of the episode, which is that she repeatedly talks about how she is good at getting out of tight places. Oh, why did she said that like that? four times in the episode? You're right. And then it's reiterated again near the end. So, but we'll leave that for later. So Gambit does take them to the crystal. And did you pay attention to the forest that they walk through, by the way? Yes, the trees were they were like alive or evil or whatever. <laughs> Wait, was just really random. It was just like. Like, why do they have to be evil? I get that it's like a magical kingdom, but it's not like the trees were of any threat. So Rod knows why I'm reacting the way that I am right now. All the things for you as the Mortal Kombat fan oh, to yeah. not be like, oh, it's the Mortal Kombat forest. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's yes, the forest. Yeah, yeah, right. I just assumed that that was like a D&D or you know, something trope or whatever. Oh, it totally is. But it looks exactly like the inspo from Mortal Kombat 2. Yeah. 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 I, th- I mean, Man. you have the game, like, right behind you. I know, right? <laughs> multiple, multiple versions like, all over the house. <laughs> I like it. I like it a little bit. But yeah, so they go... To the cave, and then the, he leads them to Crystal. Now, let me just mention, this cave is all of a sudden like a cave of wonders. He's got Aladdin, which is Very much so. random. Because it's like, oh, hey, I hid all of this stuff in this cave. This cave has no security whatsoever. <laughs> No booby traps, none of that stuff. And it was just a straight up walkway. And I think, wouldn't they like surrounded by lava or something like that? So when they walk through, they had to open the one big door. But the one big door is the only piece of security. Yeah. And he didn't have the foresight to lock it behind him. That was when I was like, he's talking about how he's the best thief. And I'm like, you're not the best thief right now, sir. Yeah. And the only, yeah, the only thing you really need to open is be willing to mess with the skeleton. Right. I was trying to figure out if that image on the door was something. Because it felt like it could have been like a Shadow King vibe or like a Mojo vibe, but it didn't like actually look like any of them. I was just like, is that a reference I'm just not picking up? And of course, you know, looking through all the trivia online about this episode. Nope. Can't figure it out. Same thing with the cave uh, itself. It looked vaguely like a skull or something. I was trying to, like, I froze it. I'm like, is that somebody's face? Like, are we going to get a surprise apocalypse thing or something? Yeah. Like, I don't know. It was, it was weird. But also, on the the way to this, Gambit reveals that the reason he has the crystal is that Magnus had hired him to steal it. And fortunately, Jubilee points out how cliched the story is. She's like, let me guess. And you kept it for yourself. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he did. And he put it in this unprotected cave i mean nobody knew about it until they got there so he had some level of security it's not like there was like cctv cameras all over the place that were gonna you know call it out so well and then the extra thing was like he gave magneto a fake which i don't know how he thought that was going to turn out i guess he figured he that he was going to be like long gone by then i don't think he had a great plan but also while they're entering the cave through these you know doors and stuff there's like a shadowy figure that follows them and they do a close-up on their eyes it's like this is clearly saber (laughs) tooth Yes. It's supposed to be Hell secret. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, it's like that a yellow. Was, that was the non secret secret. Yeah. And it's pretty uneventful for the most part. Gambit's like, 
There it is. And it is like the Cave of Wonders because there's like all this gold everywhere and stuff. And he just picks up the jewel, like the oh, the crystal that's like in the middle of the room, like on a pedestal. Here, here you go. There's that. You don't have like a bag or anything. They have to like leave this place. With, with they got pockets. Yeah. Well, actually, none of them have pockets if you think about their, af- their outfits. <laughs> they did have a hay bale. Yes. But then in the real world, a haven interrupts again. I love how you still hesitate saying real world. Because you're you're like pretending it's like oh real world like our real world yes Rod we know it's a cartoon world it's okay that but also I almost don't even associate this last season with the rest of the show because these feel like AliExpress versions of the characters we've gotten to know for like four and a half seasons you know Uh tough shit it's continuity right (laughs) and so Jubilee goes to check in on like where they had caved in earlier and she sees like water seeping through which I am not sure where that came from I guess that's what caused the cave in they were able to go in that way so they passed water at some point thought it was safe I guess I don't know (laughs) I don't know apparently there's a underground water (laughs) spillage or lake underneath the school as well it's right next to the monorail it's just the next (laughs) cave over jeez Someone, I would love someone to map this out. Like, here's the cabin. Yeah, I'm kind of curious now. Yeah, and then, so Jubilee poss- is like, hey, I need to, I need, I need to get out of here. <laughs> and there's a possibility there's like a time machine city too somewhere underneath there. Not yet, not yet. <laughs> or like the beginnings of one. Jubilee is surprisingly calm. So maybe Xavier was on some on, on something onto something <laughs> and on something because he's like not only does she do this all art it's been so long because i don't i'm not sure if we're clear on like how long this has been since the main part of the series in their world you know i mean i guess i mean it's like right afterwards but i mean based on the next episode where jubilee is driving so we know she's been on the team for at least two and a half three years at this point so she's pretty calm and we know that they always have left her alone at the mansion to watch things or the wedding out of the attack they're like jubilee get the people out of here and so she's always the home base keeper so she's got really good at it so i guess she saw like a cave-in and like a flood she's like huh it's wednesday <laughs> and so she goes back to the kids and she's like you know no big deal but maybe we should go for a walk while i tell you the next part of the story <laughs> here's a cooler part of the cave right yeah. And she she does zap the cave-in to try to, like, buy them some more time, but also the kids didn't hear it. So I think you're right about the kids not being the brightest ones on <laughs> yeah. this trip. And then she, go, yeah, she goes on with the story. Right before you go through that, they end up going up and going into that the higher part of the cave. Like, oh, no, this, this part of the cave is cool because it, it actually has, like, a little hill or a steeper. <laughs> and then she goes, and there's, and it's a, I think it's a dead end, right? It's a dead end, <laughs> yep. And then the little kid called the smart kid calls her out in her bullshit. <laughs> hey, this is a dead end. And she goes, oh, no. Well, I mean, this is one of my favorite chambers. And then that's when she goes like, as a matter of fact, just hold on a second. Let me check something. She goes back. And she sees that the water's been flooding up and it's getting like really close. And then that's when she zaps it and then she keeps it in again. That's true. Okay, just yeah, in yeah. case. But I just like the the fact that the little smartass is calling her out. He's really he's funny. really smart, but he's just unaware of his surroundings. Yeah, he'll fall a stranger into a cave. <laughs> yeah, but not but not notice that he's stuck in there. So back in the the story, they're fighting Sabretooth, who has revealed himself, and- who totally looked like Beast Man from He Man. Right? That's the oh, I didn't even put that together. Yeah, with a to- long ponytail. Well, the, the long ponytail is like the one part of Beastman yeah, that like isn't a, a piece yeah. of it, but just like the the muscular vibe and the the outfit totally gave me Beastman vibes. Man, there's so many artifacts of the 90s 
in, in this show, especially when they get in these. Well, that was eighties because we're that old. Oh God, yeah. Okay. Well, we so we had a. I think the last episode that we recorded, not the last one that you listening have heard, yep. had to do with Storm falling in love with basically a world of Masters of the Universe people. I think He Man was still kind of going on though, right? Or, or like the early '90s and stuff. Because I, I remember uh, having toys and stuff. There it was, was it was kind of dead by this time. Okay, but then the Cave of Wonders makes sense though, because what did we say? '96. So Which like was definitely after Aladdin, because Disney yeah. Renaissance restarted in ninety two or ninety three yeah. with Little Mermaid. Yeah. So I, I could just see if if it wasn't already just on everyone who was making the show's mind, you know, if this is stuff the kids like. Because in the other episodes there were dinosaurs and things that were clearly like you know Jurassic Park and Barney references and stuff, and Power Rangers even they made a Power Rangers reference, but that was Saban. But this, if it wasn't that, I could totally see like a Fox or a Saban being like. We have to have the we have to have action like Aladdin. <laughs> Put him in a desert or something. I don't know. I don't care. Just work it in. We don't have the budget for that. We have forty dollars and some you know, toothpicks. <laughs> Make an episode. But yeah, Jubilee in the story calls Sabretooth a kitty cat, which is kind of cute. Like Jubilee just really paints herself to be like way way cooler. And put together. Yeah. And really strong. Like, she, like, yeah. it's not even a close fight. Like, she just kicks the crap out of him. She just straight up, like, flips around <laughs> him and basically is like, hey, come here for a second. And she just basically slaps him around. Like, nobody's business. It's like, what? I also love that they were always very conscious of, like, showing people hitting each other. Like, humanoids hitting humanoids. But they did the thing where it went from, like, Sabretooth's first-person perspective and she was punching the camera and that was the way of like showcasing that she punched him in the face without showing her punching him in the face. That's good. Yeah, my note here was like Jubilee parkour saber tooth to death. Yeah. yeah. The small detail I noticed that, and I'm not sure if I just saw this wrong or if it was just hilarious and part of Jubilee storytelling. She throws the crystal in the air and then oh. attacks Sabretooth. That whole sequence of her attacking Sabretooth happens, and then it lands. It's like a full, like, 15, 20 seconds later. Yeah. So I was like, how long was the crystal in the air? That (laughs) was so random. Even if she had, like, Superman powers to throw it, there's there's a literal ceiling. Dude, she's a fucking elf. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) But you know the smart kid. There was definitely a line of him calling bullshit on that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you threw it at a trajectory of 88 (laughs) degrees. And that force, and you know, it would have fell down, you know, less than three feet each second or something. I would have loved Spencer to have called out, like, wait, that's only four of the clankers, and there were five in the room. What happened to the last one? And then she's just like, oh, I pushed him in the lava. Next. Yeah. Oh, he fell down a hole. I almost would have, like, loved this episode if that happened in the middle of that. Might have redeemed it. She's like, okay, hey. Like, she gets caught in her lie, basically. She gets yeah. caught in it, but then she resolves it just like whatever. She's like, you just see, like, a ledge appear. She's like, here. Yeah. All right, we're done. Once again, even though there's a little fight, it's kind of uneventful because she basically takes out every enemy pretty easily. Like, she doesn't really get hurt herself at all. I don't even think she takes a hit. I don't think she took it either. Yeah. And then they they all run out. And then they seal Sabretooth in the cave. <laughs> yeah. She's like, we'll come back for him someday. someday. <laughs> Who knows when that'll be? He's going to starve to death, guys. Dark times is literally the dark ages. <laughs> And then when they get outside, I don't know why he didn't show up before, but then there's like glowing orb appears and it's Xavier. And I don't know if this is problematic or not, but it really gave me like that zombie vibe. Remember him from Pee Wee, Pee Wee's Playhouse? I, yes, now that you've said it, yes. <laughs> Even like Zoltar, I think, from the, the yep. machines on the boardwalk and stuff. And he just shows up and gives them information they need. No, I was going to say, why is he wearing like a turban? But he's like, he's supposed to be like this greatest wizard in the, in the entire kingdom. 
and he and it's just so random i think that was one of those like i i, I don't want to go as far as say like problematic but like kind of like tropes like shortcuts in stuff well, like, in the 90s where it's like the mystical yeah, foreigner yeah. kind of vibe you he know was like coming more across like a gin if that makes yeah sense. yeah as opposed to that, a wizard you also get like johnny carson used to throw it, it on it uh, like yeah, i think i think it was just the tail end of that trope but yeah i mean literally you go to santa monica up here and that is there so yeah 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 so the, the zoltar machine the, like, yep. the mm-hmm. fortune on the card and stuff yep so that was just random. Really, the only thing he contributes to that is that Jubilee has had the power inside of her the whole time. It's her light, which I thought he was being symbolic about, but then I figured out, oh, yeah, so it's like literally her light powers. And that makes sense kind of because, you know, kids, even when we were kids to now, our favorite stories are the ones where we find out we're the one, right? You know, that was like the 2000s. It was like Hunger Games and Divergent yeah. stuff. You're the one back then. It was like, I'm a mutant. And I don't know what it is now for kids. Like, I'm a. It's called TikTok. main character syndrome. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Xavier was like also kind of dark because he's like, yeah, yeah, you have to destroy Magnus. It wasn't like, oh, you could save the kingdom. It's like, no, no, you get you get to kill this dude. Like he was actually like all about it, which is not what our version of Xavier is. Yeah. He was like, you're destined to kill this guy. <laughs> you need to bring the other half of the gym over there and, you know, show Magnus who's boss. Which once again is kind of like, gives a little insight of how Jubilee sees everything. She's like, listen, we could just off this dude and we'd be done with half our shit right now. You know, because they've been fighting for three years, or in her world, three years or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the majority of her. I mean, it's it's like a decent percentage of her life. So, yeah. This whole time, they're, they're focusing on a rat that's in a tree watching them. So, you know, it has to be important. Yep. I did not know who this character was. I'm assuming he was important or he was like a mutant of some sort. Because he, I mean, I know he's a mutant because he turned into a person, but I didn't recognize the character model. I thought it was Mastermind, but it doesn't like. There's no credit for who that is of somebody yeah. recognizable. Let, let me literally just IMDb it right now, just to be safe. Because I thought like, oh, it would make sense if it was maybe like a more for. I was actually expecting like Mystique or something. But, yeah, I would have thought it would have been Mystique, but it was a dude. Mystique would have made sense too because of Magneto. <laughs> Again, you're not wrong. There's there were. <laughs> There were choices made in this episode. But then we don't... That's it for that character, I think. With, yeah. <laughs> just, it's just an informant. I don't even think we get a scene, right? Do we get a scene where that rat person tells... Nope. Magnet? No, we don't. Nope. It's just kind of inferred. And not listed in the... The IMDb? IMDb? No. Nope. Don't, they, don't they just go, hey, hey, and that's it? Yeah. He's, he said something about a surprise... I can't read my notes, of course. So, yeah, but he actually said he said a phrase, and I he did not get a credit for it. So, sucks <laughs> sucks for that dude. You'll be ready for a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> but little girl has a voice. <laughs> Your favorite doesn't. He's not credited. Wow. Well, so I'm figuring out now in this fifth season when they specify names, there's a ninety percent chance it's not important. Carlos in like a previous episode I think it was Hidden Agendas we done with Michelle Waffle and they named so many specific people first and last names and Mm -hmm. I never know these people so I wrote them all down only like one family was important of the main story and it was the one you didn't write down yeah well I mean I I, I wrote down like (laughs) that I should know this name but I didn't know who they were but everything else like no other character was of any significance within the context of like the marvel world like maybe it was the name of like a producer's kid or something but like 
It was like, why did you just name specific, like they named like girlfriends that never showed up on camera? Like you told me, Shelly, like why do we need to know her name and their family? List? The so best wild. part is because we're recording these out of order. That has not aired yet. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, that's so funny. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, okay, that's so, two weeks in the future from now, Rod. <laughs> so minor spoiler here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, Shelly is a character that Rod becomes obsessed with. <laughs> oh boy. So this begins what. I thought was going to be a setup for Gambit being a traitor because they've yes, done this to him before. Absolutely. Um, they show up at is it Magneto's ca- or Magnus's castle, I think. I called it, it not Castle Grayskull. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And he like pushes some bushes away and there's a spiral staircase that is less guarded than the cavern. And he's like, this goes to the dungeon, which happens to be right next to the vault where the crystal is. And I'm like, what? <laughs> That's a trap, right? That's clearly a trap. And then Logan is like, yeah, how do you know all this stuff? And he's like, it's my job in a bad Cajun accent. Yeah. And Logan just accepts it. Yeah, I also love it. Like Logan kind of snaps out of like the troll character for like a second. He's like, wait, hang on, I know I'm supposed to be dumb here, but a few questions. Gambit has a key, right? Yeah, yeah. He, have- he also has a key when they get to the bottom of the staircase. Yeah, he's really good at his job, guys. Okay. I was still waiting for the shoe to drop because it has been easily a decade plus since i watched this episode one time on the original dvds (laughs) so i was like cool they're gonna get locked in the room and that's where we're gonna get revealed that gambit was like the shitbag traitor and never happens that's basically like the thing that happened that's that's the very trope of (laughs) like a thief so and and also in the series it's a little fresher in our heads carlos because we've been watching it week to week but there's literally episodes where they point out that he is likely to be the traitor and then like literally tricks people by like acting like he's the traitor. So uh-huh. it was very on brand for, for that. And maybe that was just like more clever storytelling than we're, than we're giving it credit for that. Maybe it was like she was giving the impression that he might be the traitor, but didn't actually turn out to be, you know? I would hate it if this episode was that deep. <laughs> that and if they made Project Wide Awake at the end. I like I like how you said that he would have hated if the, future. if the episode was that yeah. deep, but when the majority of the story takes place in a cave. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, God. Come on, Rod. Hey, see, see, now Carlos is helping me with the puns. I'm not, I don't even really like them that much. It's just that John hates them so much that it's by contrast, I guess it's it like it, may, it puts us on the scale where I, I guess I'm, I'm making them. Just but, awful. So yeah, a little little Easter egg for two weeks from now too. Also, <laughs> yeah. Now now we're all messed up. You're when we record the previous week's episode after this one. I'm just oh, going to start yelling at you in the middle of it to stop yeah, ruining gonna, everything. No, it's going to be great. Luckily, yeah. this, this is a good episode to tell, say all this stuff in because like this episode really doesn't have anything to do with anything that happens in the show around it or away from it. Once again, they fast forward. They not fast forward. Like everything's pretty uneventful. They just find the crystal and they start to like shove them together. Of course, they have to take like a long time to give time for the villain to arrive. So she does it way too slow. It, it was such a long time that I was able to type out the complete sentence. They find the crystals and put them together. Oh, no, she started to. And then Magnus shows up <laughs> and gives this long monologue as he's also slowly placing the crystals next to each other and tells Jubilee that I guess everybody knew that she was the key, except Jubilee and Gambit and Logan. <laughs> I mean, I'll give the concession that if he's this big, all-powerful wizard, then he and Xavier probably know the triggers. So sure, like I'll I'll let that one go. So he holds Logan hostage to try to get her to put the shards together. Logan gives this, I think it's, you know, kind of meant to be a heartfelt speech. It's like, no, I, the light in you is what keeps me alive, which again is like kind of a, 
gives us insight to what Jubilee thinks her role in Logan's life is in, in I, life. I mean, I think she legitimately believes that though. Like she, yeah. she legitimately is like, oh, he's this old grizzled guy, and he needs something to keep him positive because otherwise he's just going to become a murder machine. So or more specifically, disgusting troll. That was her quote. Earlier. <laughs> Well, she can't say murder machine to the children, right. so. Yeah. And once again, I thought this was going to be a trick, but it wasn't. She literally just fuses the crystals together. Yep. There was no, like, she's at Magneto or anything. Because Gambit mentioned that he gave him a fake half or something of the crystal. So I just thought at some point that would have made some kind of a resurgence there or, you know, would have been the gotcha. Yeah, we got lots of red herrings in this episode around Gambit. Or whatever. The, uh, I guess well, he red does have pop. red hair. <laughs> And red skin in this episode. <laughs> red herring. Maybe the whole animation team just had fun with this. We're like, we're not going to pay enough for this, so uh, we're going like, to throw all these things in here. There is nobody on that animation team that had fun, okay? <laughs> Judging by the quality of these few episodes, nobody was having a good time. Right. Those people were the bad, like, we're getting abused by our, our animation, like, boss, okay? <laughs> so Magnus gets power there's you know no trick to it he receives like the the ultimate power or whatever and then just immediately does you know i think i guess at that time was the trope is like well i don't need these people anymore and he like destroys all his minions that is so, so stupid oh my gosh <laughs> i was gonna say the same thing it was like why why you this worked for you yeah i mean he has his old all of his homies right there it's like oh great i have all of this power why do i need you you need enforcers but it, it was just it was just so dumb like that's the very first thing that you do is just destroy my old my you know the people my allies just for the maybe, hell of it. Maybe power up your enforcers. Like obviously yeah. you're not gonna let them get anywhere near close to you, but maybe make them not suck that they can at least beat Jubilee one on one. This is a case where I feel like it was some wherever the writing room was for this was like we have to wrap this up pretty quick. So that's probably they destroy these characters because the next thing that happens is Jubilee zaps Magnus, and I guess she can continue to power the crystals because she overpowers him to the point where he's doing the one thing we thought would happen in the rest of the series where like just shit would attract to him and like impale him or something you know <laughs> like everything in the room just starts magnetizing towards him including in whatever was around logan including nails yeah <laughs> yeah like literally know. nails started flying at this dude <laughs> But he's, he's abs of steel, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Zaddy Magneto was... has has the abs going on. His character so, design was actually pretty cool. I didn't say get to say that, but like he he looked pretty cool. Yeah. So I I mean I don't really know the science of it, and I don't even know like <laughs> if fireworks actually help power up magnetism or something. I don't know. I just thought it was weird. But my guess is that he was just getting so powerful that his magnetic force around him or his aura. It was, just became too uncontrollable, and then they yeah. all started coming in. It was just really weird when I saw the sploosh end up going all over uh, Wait, Magneto and, and catch him at the end. I don't even know what it was. We haven't like, mentioned Cyclops semen in, like, an episode. God damn oh. it, I thought we were going to get through it. <laughs> I'll send you uh, an episode, Carlos, so you can catch up on that drama. Okay. <laughs> so, so I will... I, I did recently get this from... This, there's a series that came out in the past year called X-Terminators, and it's Jubilee, Dazzler... Boom Boom, who Rod had no idea who that was, oh, yeah, and, yeah, and X-23. Mm -hmm. And they end up fighting a bunch of vampires, and part of the reason why they are such an effective group is because of Jubilee's power being light-based. So even though it's presented in the show as fireworks, it's her shooting light, essentially. Uh -huh. yeah. In this particular like 
story that she's telling she almost presents it more of like a it's like the heart power from captain planet or something right it's it's something deeper like in your soul <laughs> i don't know yeah her 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 light is her heart shining so fucking bright or i don't know whatever feel good moment yeah. we're supposed to get well, ma- mainly because what logan said he was like your light is what makes me a better person like <laughs> I was like, oh, her power? Okay, sure. But that essentially des- destroys. It doesn't actually destroy Magneto, but it defeats him. That gets interrupted by real-world Wolverine, Cyclops, and Gambit showing up and blasting out the... But I guess they knew that they were the dead end. That was a really dope effect. I will give him credit. The fact that they went from her in the, the fairy tale world and the explosion that simultaneously happens in the fairy tale world happens to line up with, with Cyclops blasting through the cave... Yeah, I thought that I, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And they, you know, those guys get them out of there because they were really close to the surface, like they could step up into it. <laughs> and then Logan starts to introduce himself. I think to Spencer, probably. I don't remember which kid, but that tracks of Spencer. <laughs> and and he's like, "Hi, I'm." And then Spencer's like, "The troll, I know." <laughs> oh, the way they animated Wolverine's face for that too. He does like yeah. this weird scrunched up, like what the fuck. Yeah. kind of like a weird face it was, it was hilarious if that moment happened in deadpool 3 that kid would just been impaled <laughs> i was i was gonna say that moment for me was the evolution of the captive hearts episode where it's wolverine just standing there in the foreground just being like sad sack as oh, gene yeah. and scott are making out in the background it was just like the fuck and this was another like tv movie trope that i don't know if actually ever happens in real life but all these traumatized kids that were trapped in a cave they gave him hot cocoa which it did not seem like a cold day necessarily but i don't know i couldn't feel it it was just like a oh you need comforting so here's some hot cocoa <laughs> keep them warm well not you're not gonna them. give them bourbon rod for fuck's right. sake i mean i might but want to like encourage like oh hey drink a whole bunch of soda pop right. yeah yeah remember yeah. there is like smp that you have to deal with and stuff yeah. so yeah <laughs> Then yeah Gene... hot, hot cocoa it's literally just it's, pure yeah. sugar in water but sure it's fine yeah. you can't and give them capri suns or juicy juice see that's what we that's what we would get like if we yeah, were like exactly. you know, or chocolate you, milk in the carton yeah or sunny b which is just sugar and water <laughs> yeah it is <laughs> but then gene makes the comment she's like also red skin gene yeah i think they just, they, they just like it just bled into like all, all the redheads in the show they were like let's just smear it into the <laughs> <laughs> yeah but she's like i sense no trauma in these kids especially for ones that have been trapped in a cave which i'm like yes this is what it, like all of us have been wondering <laughs> what's going on and then that's when all the kids are like come on jubilee tell us the other story story and then professor x is like story now i'm invested <laughs> how was i portrayed also he's gonna hear the end of the story which is the worst way to deal with the story is hearing the ending before you get to the beginning Better that he knows that he wasn't in a turban and a floating head. It's true. My only really note for the end of the story was Magnus was destroyed and Gene and Scott are awful. Also, that did not feel like Scott to me. I know it was obviously supposed to be Scott. That did not feel like Prince version of Scott. Gene was the worst thing ever, but that was like a random guy was Scott. It has to be an inside joke with the writing team now where they always describe him incorrectly. Because a couple beats later, they talk about a one-eyed prince. I rewound. I'm like, did they give him one eye? No, he had multiple no, eyes. No, he's, he's a regular two-eye nope. guy. So, Carlos, in, in the episode, there's a point where it was Wolverine called him four eyes. No, uh, Blob called him four Blob eyes. Four eyes. He's like, he either has one or three if you try to count it one way or the other. <laughs> they always, like, say it wrong. And so this one, like, the one-eyed prince. I'm like, when did she say that? Like, we, we didn't say yep. that. We just saw two annoying people. But... He- 
<laughs> and then Gene's voice was like Ugh. fucking obnoxious. Remember Charlie the Unicorn? Oh yeah. I feel I like that. this was the audio inspiration for the unicorns that Charlie hated. No, I know what they were going for because it was like I, they were probably it was probably like humor on the the writing or the animation or whatever side. They were like, let's just have fun with this. Yeah. We're not we're not getting renewed. She's gonna be the over exaggeration of like the damsel in distress Disney princess or whatever. But oh my god, like God, I hated the voice. So she describes. Oh, I did have one other thing. She says, Jubilee, you to be princess, you're gonna have all the best tutors and blah blah. blah. And Jubilee's like not about that. So she is wearing her very clothes underneath. All the all the her Logan and Gambit are wearing like the clothes that we've seen them in underneath their royal garments, and they just like slide them off and they just sneak out the back. It looks like Wolverine is just going to get naked because he's like, <laughs> his stuff is already barely covering parts of his body, so it's like, oh, there's going to be a naked troll in the middle of the court. Yeah, and then in the real world, the kids were like, can we have another story? And Jubilee's like, well, you'll just have to come back and get caved in again. And then we found out she can parkour in real life. Yes. And that was the end of my notes. I don't know what I said. <laughs> yeah. Uh, story. Well, they kind of give to what you were alluding to earlier about like, She's always been the one that's been held back and mm -hmm. Wolverine gives the very not Wolverine response of like, yeah, she's ready, but is the world ready for her? And that feel that does not feel like a Wolverine thing to say. That feels like a storm is kind of high thing to say. <laughs> that did not feel like Logan talking at that one point. I, I felt like troll Logan was more accurate to Logan than what that was right there. Yeah, that was a good point. So I don't know. Maybe maybe Jubilee's been one narrating this whole show the whole time. Right. She just gave up at the end. Yeah, that that was just really random. What do you mean you're gonna give up all this? Well, I'll be a princess someday. I'm pretty it's sure you get day. like oh, and the cat wants to play piano so on the fucking. This, this is time she has the timing down. She did this in the last episode we did remotely. She's like, and we're gonna play a chord now. <laughs> yeah. But but what it was really weird is yeah at the very end we're. Like what you said, where the Wolverine is like, is the world ready for her? She's doing like flips in the grass, and I don't even know where the hell she's going. She does this weird jump at the end. That is not how human <laughs> beings move. Yeah, when she's doing the flips, like I can accept the gymnast shit. I don't know. It was like the Irish jig style dance, but like her body's shaking a little bit. It was like she turned to jello. It was really creepy. Now, do you think that that maybe, you know, it's, it's probably still happening, but I know as a kid in the 90s, like, this was always a trope where there was, like, a little bit of what was in the fantasy story in the real world, you know? Yeah. Like, maybe it was like, oh, yeah, she really is a fairy hero. No. Like, I don't know. <laughs> no. Random factoids that we didn't hit on. This was actually inspired by Rod. What issue? Oh, I have no clue. Guess a number. <laughs> Uncanny X-Men uh, number blank. I want to hear your guess. I'm trying to decide if it's going to be, like, earlier or later. This sounds like something that they would be like reaching for a story. It's so like 500 or something. I don't know. So, so no, this, was this early. This was 153. It was called Kitty's Fairy Tales. Kitty Pride, who is telling a story to Ileana, Colossus's little sister. Oh. Interesting. That's yep. cool. And then really recently, they did a variation of this in the New Mutants comic, but it was Ileana like telling it from her perspective of like her growing up as this little like magic user in limbo so it's not totally random and off-brand for the x-men to do something with fairy tale narrative style worlds mm -hmm. oh yeah and then there's that one comic that i i got a one-off of and i gave to you because i read it once and forgot about it it's kind of like a renaissance like alternate 
story yep. thing or something. I can't remember what the setup for the, that was. But. Yeah. Also, one thing we've never actually addressed in the show, in our show, is what Earth number this is. So obviously, mainstream Marvel Comics is 616. Mm-hmm. Guesses what is this world for the animated series and we also got the official number of the fairy tale world's earth Whoa, number really oh i have no clue is it in the hundreds as well so animated series world is nine six one 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 six and <laughs> okay and then the animated one is nine two one three one someday they, we'll they all one. have they all have their official numbers so yeah. That's a weird one because that's the universe within the universe. Well, I guess with, my head with kind of like recent MCU rules, like they all exist somehow, even if they were kind of made up. The yep. probability of it existing happens. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you go into any of the alternate history storylines, like you know, Age of Apocalypse and stuff like that, that has its own number. Any of the old what if stories, each of those is technically its own alternate as well. Huh. Even in this show, we had a couple where like things branched off and stuff. There's like alternate presence and stuff. One man's yeah. worth. Yeah, it was two episodes, right? Where Storm and Wolverine were married. Yep. And that was the one where the outfits of most people were inspired by the Age of Apocalypse looks, too. I mean, the, o- the only other comments that I have from this one is in previously on X-Men, the making of an animated series, Eric Leewald talks about they tried something different. It didn't end up working. He... <laughs> He can see why, for regular viewers, this was their least favorite episode. And the phrases used to describe it, which were not necessarily positives, were young, gentle, playful, and whimsical. You know, to its credit, I think that if it had had more care in the animation and the production of it, and maybe more care in like the writing of it, it would it would have been it had potentially be able to look better. I I feel like the animation does such a disservice to it mm-hmm. that like when you look at something and the animation is on the uglier side, it automatically puts you in like a negative predisposition on it. Yeah. It's that remix theme song at the beginning. Just <laughs> starts off with a bad foot. He actually yes. mentions that. He actually mentions the remix theme song in the book too, okay. where it's talking about like, yeah, that was like a decision that got made. Yeah, because I hadn't seen it in a long time. Obviously the original theme and the intro the way it looked really stuck out and when i started watching this episode i was like dude what the hell happened like it all <laughs> sounds different and i thought that the animation initially was really good for what it was it's just different it was yeah it was just different it just it didn't it, I, I wasn't vibing with it there are certain parts like when i say like jubilee at the end who does like the weird jump and like her body turns <laughs> to jello or when Spencer, I almost called him Rusty. He felt like a Rusty. <laughs> when Spencer like said something, like the way his neck turned, I'm like, oh, he just literally broke his neck. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, Jubilee uh. gives Logan a kiss on the cheek too. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, I just thought that was just really random. Yeah, it was the whole, the whole thing. It was interesting. Sabretooth is confirmed dead in the oh, fairy yeah. world. Fantasy <laughs> Sabretooth is dead. He's he's starving to death and cannot regenerate because he's out of food. Watch them bring him back in X-Men 97. They open the Cave of Wonders. And Dear God, it's no. Like, it's like Return of Jafar, but it's Sabretooth. Like, <laughs> and it's Beastman instead. I don't know. So many pieces there. Oh, anyway. The, anybody else have any last I do, thoughts? I do appreciate how Magneto's or Magnus's helmet fits very well into the medieval scope of knights. So I yeah. thought yeah. that was a pretty good design in general. 
I, I like the design of the metallics if that's their actual name they actually like felt really cool and aside from the fact that they were trash and couldn't fight like they actually looked menacing so i guess mm -hmm. you know it was worth it just to see Longshot get beat up a little bit by them yeah i kind of i could i could see like them if the episode had been better and the, like them making like some action figure like offshoot you know how are you gonna make an action figure it had nothing on the inside it would have right. been hollow the 90s always had weird ways of doing this stuff i don't know what it would have been like a clear base or something i don't know and, and also what kind of conversational with the president of the united states might want to have with gambit oh god <laughs> it was actually an inter it was actually an intervention like, listen, we have a lot of complaints him, coming it was, in. Professor X, Wolverine and Gim, it, Gene wasn't there, right? Am I tripping? No, it was no, only the three. Yeah, so even yeah. Cyclops wasn't there. Yeah, was so it's like, trip. yeah. So it was just as like, what, what <laughs> in the com add? In the comments to this video, leave your theories as to what the conversation that needed Gambit to be there. <laughs> Especially <laughs> now, that you, now that you brought it up. Remember, Gambit was the person that was going to assassinate Senator Kelly with That's the whole right. Mystique switcheroo back in the day, too. Right. Forgot about that. <laughs> probably the writers did too yeah and then would you rather sign a permission slip to have the kids go to the caves or go to the magic school bus and you know uh, what i think and, then, uh, and fly inside somebody's anus see i thought you were going to go the other way with it i th i thought you were going to say would you rather have the kids go on a field trip with jubilee as the chaperone or with gambit as the chaperone and it's jubilee every time yeah and maybe that's the thing is like gambit is not allowed to be alone with children like <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. Have we seen him in the concept art, or have they removed him from being problematic like Pepe Le Pew? Oh, I have no idea. I can't remember <laughs> if we saw him or not. I mean, he'll probably still be around. He'll probably just like not hit on teenage girls in the upcoming series. Um, <laughs> we'll see. Jeez. All right. Well, before we take off, Carlos, one more time, where can everybody find you, and what do you have coming up besides dealing with a new car? <laughs> Wow, man. Too soon, Rod. God I'm in, I'm in the same boat, right? It's fucked up, Rod. <laughs> Hopefully well, by the time this airs, that has been resolved. So, Well, before I even sign off, I just wanted to say thank you guys for inviting me. It was a fun conversation. I think we can all agree that Jubilee sucks worse more than we realize. <laughs> <laughs> and then and you guys can find me at The Nostalgic Latino on Instagram and on TikTok. And if you just like remembering random relatable stuff from back in the day that it's probably useless information but makes you feel good or sad then yeah say hello we've just been recording useless information for the last hour and 16 minutes it's fine <laughs> and chances are you probably if you're a millennial that's on either of those platforms you've probably seen one of carlos's sketches <laughs> and now you can attach a name with it yeah you're everywhere thank you for joining us if you have any thoughts make sure to drop them in the comments for either the youtube upload or official instagram post about this episode if you like what you heard we'd appreciate a rating on the podcast app you're choosing you can find us on apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, amazon music is a new thing right yep Spotify. got it got it in the last <laughs> 10 episodes of the series it's all good welcome amazon people that sounded problematic and Castbox. also spotify and google Podcasts. you just skipped over those so great job rod <laughs> bye